ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. When someone agrees to donate a part of their body so that others might live a longer or a better life, many elements go into making that decision. We'll look at some of those in a moment. But what is it like to be in an ICU grappling with the news that a family member isn't going to survive and then having to decide whether that donation should go ahead? Katie Clemens was 59 when she was hit by a car in Melbourne. She died in 2022. Her husband, Rob, was in this difficult position. Rob, thanks for joining us, and I'm very sorry for your loss. Yeah, good morning, Hilary. Now, after you learnt that your wife had been hurt, you headed to the hospital uh, and found that Katie was on the ventilator, having suffered a catastrophic brain injury. What went through your mind when you were asked if you'd be willing to donate her organs? Well, we were approached by the um, uh, organ donation um, specialist who, and, and a surgeon and sat down and said that Katie was a, a suitable candidate and um, my two daughters and I sat with them and it was basically, it seemed the, the obvious thing to do. Uh, Katie had given uh, all her life to people so we felt it was the right thing to do in her passing. Rob, was there anything in particular about the way that people handled those conversations with you that helped you work through your, your thoughts and make the decision? Uh, the most important message we got from uh, the um, people was that we were able to get a positive out of something that's obviously catastrophic to our family at the time and um, it just seemed to be what Katie would have done. We had never discussed it prior to that situation and now we understand the importance of the message to people to become um, and, and register as donors. That must have been hard for you sitting there and saying, okay, this is something we haven't discussed. Was it something that you felt comfortable saying yes to immediately or did you have to think about it for a while? Well, the bravest person amongst my daughters was my eldest, who at the time was um, two weeks overdue having um, a baby and she had some uh, – she works in the nursing industry and basically she was the one that was – the bravest, and, and she was the person that sort of explained to us the the, be- the benefits of it all to our to our beautiful wife so, and mum. And tell us a bit about some of the benefits, some of the the people that Katie helped. Yes, um, there are people. We were told that she um, was involved in what was described at the time as life saving and life changing surgery. Um, we understand there were people waiting in the operating theatre, so once they were able to. Um, turn off her life support at the ICU. Um, they um, then um, proceeded to take her to the surgery where these people were waiting for her and um, no doubt have had um, life-changing in, um, in, in their life since then. So it's been fabulous for them as well. I imagine that day might have been a bit confronting for you and your daughters though, Rob, just knowing that that surgery was going ahead. Um, we took a lot of solace from it because we felt that that um, there were, you know, the, the beautiful um, people at the ICU gave my wife a a, um, a guard of honour as she was led down through the ICU to the surgery. Um, they put what's known as the Tree of Life on her, which is a symbolic um, to, to people who help others. And um, no, we just I, I just were overwhelmed by the positivity at the time. It's such a sad time of our life. 
Really interesting to hear that, yeah, there are different ways you can do things that make such a difference to the family. We're speaking with Rob, whose wife Katie Clemens died in 2022 and uh, donated her organs to help many other people. And Rob, speaking of the symbolism like the Tree of Life, I understand you've got a tattoo on your arm now. Tell us a bit about that and what that means for you. Yes, um, I've become um, involved um, and try to help where I can with the Donut Life organisation. Um, I've got a tattoo on my arm that's the um, Donut Life symbol. And a person my age wearing a tattoo of such gets a lot of discussion with people wondering what it means. And it's another way of me being able to explain to people what it's all about and what we went through and what they can do for them and uh, their other families that go through the same problem. And Rob, do you have anything, any thoughts you'd like to share with others who might be a bit wary about having that difficult conversation with their families or if they're worried that maybe that if they register, their family members might not agree to go through with it? Well, ironically, we say life matters, but also my, you know, I, I look at the situation that death matters as well. And if you can do something in your passing to help others, um, then I think it's fabulous that there's some sort of legacy in regards to that as well Um, and it just gives us hope that there are people out there that won't have to go through the same journey we we have because of my our beautiful wife's generosity and just finally rob was there any parts of katie's body that you or your daughters weren't comfortable donating uh well look at the time was obviously very emotional for all of us we 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 didn't um we were asked what, what we could um, donate and obviously in the circumstances at the time, I just flippantly said at the time, but I meant it obviously at the time, was that um, they could have every part of her except her heart because that was mine. And also at the time, just to lighten the mood up a bit, I also said, please don't give anyone her mouth because that'll just give other people grief in life because she's one of those beautiful women in, in the world that always had something to say about something and got us, herself into trouble a lot. Well, and I, I really uh, am grateful for you sharing that with us today, Rob, because it's such a highly individual decision, isn't it? And I think you've really helped people understand that, you know, it's going to be different for different people. It's going to play out in different ways and humour is going to crop up where you least expect it because it is such a such a difficult time. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. Yep, thank you, Ellie. Have a great day. You Bye. too. Rob uh, Clemens telling us about how it went when his wife Katie was injured and uh, they had to decide whether to go through with an organ donation that was suggested could help a lot of different people. You're listening to Life Matters and we're looking at some of the barriers that might exist to having those conversations with your family or making the decision to register as an organ donor, which is very easy to do these days. Send me a text and let me know how it's gone in your household. Have you had to confront that decision at the pointy end or have you broached the issue with your partner, your your offspring, your, your loved ones, and had to have a conversation about it? How did it go? Listen to Barry's the CEO of Organ and the Organ and Tissue Authority, which is responsible for organ and tissue donations in Australia. Lucinda, this is such a hard time for families to make this decision. What tends to make people more likely to say yes? Uh, Thanks very much for having us on. And firstly, just to acknowledge Rob and to thank him for coming and sharing his story because uh, it is those personal stories 
um, that make us all think about it and maybe talk about it. And the fact that uh, Rob and his daughter said yes um, to Katie becoming a donor has meant that there are people out there who now are living a full life with their families. So I just wanted to say that at the start and thank Rob for that. Um, Look, there are um, numerous um, reasons that people uh, maybe don't uh, want to donate. Uh, quite often they think they're, you know, they're too old, um, they don't live a healthy lifestyle, or maybe it's against their religion. And um, that's it's simply, you know, not true. Every one of us can register um, and um, have that chance to be a donor at the end of our life. And what we say is just register, talk to your family and um, leave it up to the medical staff to do that. So, Lucinda, I mean, you've, you're also a former ICU nurse. Tell us whether the main barriers today are logistical or emotional or cultural or, or bureaucratic. What's getting in the way of those organs getting to people who need them? Look, as as we've heard, um, it's a highly um, emotional time for people um, and families at this stage. Um, it's generally unexpected death and people uh, have just learnt that their loved ones um, is dying uh, and not going to survive. So having that conversation about organ donation comes at you know, probably the worst time in many people's lives um, at that point. So um, we really need to make sure that we've got the right people having that conversation. And that's a really big um, focus for us at um, Donate Life. Our Donate Life uh, specialist nurses are highly trained in having that conversation um, with families. And also um, they they gravitate towards this because they want to make um, families uh, feel supported at this time and give them the time and also be able to give them the answers that they need to make a really informed decision. Well, and we heard Rob say how important it was that the uh, the hospital staff were treating his wife with such respect and honouring the decision that he'd made and the gift that she was giving. What about the logistics of the operation, Lucinda? Because it's it's quite a specific situation, isn't it, where an organ donation can be possible? Absolutely. Um, many of your listeners out there may not realise or really think about it, but um, to be um, considered for organ donation, you need to die in hospital um, and generally you're in intensive care on a ventilator. So only around 2% of people who die in a hospital can even be considered for organ donation. And of course, um, all of your organs need to be working uh, really well with that. So there is a process um, where um, families need to be approached and uh, and agree that uh, donation can occur, but also um, uh, our patients need to be looked at to make sure that um, everything is okay to be um, considered to give a transplant to somebody else with that. And there's a lot of information on the Donate Life website. We'll pop a link up on the Life Matters page after this interview with Lucinda Barry, the CEO of the Organ and Tissue Authority, uh, which oversees organ and tissue, tissue donations in Australia. Lucinda, rates of organ donation have dropped since 2019. What's caused that and what's happening to them now? Look, uh, there is no doubt that um, our national programs 
was significantly impacted by the pandemic and COVID. Um, of course, uh, donation takes place in intensive care units. And as we all know, um, COVID was a significant impact in those units as well for the first two years of um, the pandemic. Uh, you couldn't become a donor if you had COVID um, because there's high risk to the person who was receiving the transplant. And we didn't know whether that would mean um, that they wouldn't survive having their transplant because uh, they have drugs that mean that they can't fight viruses very well after they've had a transplant. So there, there are a lot of implications, but um, also critically, um, families were really restricted on being in the intensive care unit. And that conversation with a family is absolutely uh, critical. It needs to be warm and engaging. Um, when the family member, generally only one, was in there, um, also the teams were fully dressed in um, masks and gowns and it wasn't, it's not conducive to sitting down and having um, a really um difficult um, conversation with families for that. So we had people having that conversation over the phone, over video, and also, as, as um, many people would know, if they've had any experience in ICU, um, all the families normally in there when this is happening at this stage. So there was that real barrier as well with communicating with families. Mm. Lots of texts coming through just explaining what a gift it is. As a live organ donor, says Janine, who donated a kidney 43 plus years ago, I've witnessed the miracle of transplantation. Giving life to another is the greatest of gifts for both donor and and recipient and a blessing for all. Another says television ads should be instigated to encourage people to not be afraid to register, to encourage families to not object to what their loved one wanted and to encourage the bereaved to make the choice if the deceased had not done so. Lucinda, we, we mentioned briefly before that there's a lot of ways to register to be an organ donor now, not just uh, when you get your driver's licence. Do you mind quickly going through those for us? Yes, look, we've tried to make it as easy as possible for people uh, to register because we know from all our research that the ease of registering, um, many people, in fact, the majority of Australians support organ and tissue donation, but um, they just don't get around to registering um, with that. So you can register in less than a minute at donatelife.gov.au. All you need is your Medicare card um, to be able to do that. The other really easy option is to go to your Medicare app and um, it's literally a tick of a box to register to do that. But importantly, when you are registering, you need to tell your family that you want to be a donor at the end of your life because they'll be the ones that the staff will be talking to. So donatelife.gov.au or the Medicare app. Super, super simple. And just quickly to Lucinda, I mean, it was, it was so moving hearing Rob talk about sitting down with his daughters who have, you know, going through such a terrible time and, and it's a rough time to lose your mum when you're just about to have a baby. And those uh, discussions where they talked about how uh, they got hope out of it and they got some comfort from the idea that Katie's organs would go on to help others. What does the research tell us about the impact that organ donation has on surviving family members? Yes, look, the research is very clear that the majority of donor family members um, feel what Rob and his daughters have felt, that they um, it's the only positive to come out of a really catastrophic situation for them and um, also that they aren't putting other families through 
what they've had to go through. So giving that gift of life um, is definitely often the only positive that they can um, walk away with at the end of the day. Lovely story here from an anonymous texter. When my brother was unable to be taken off the resuscitator in ICU, he was able to donate a range of organs despite being chronically ill when he fell seriously ill. We, the family, knew he would have wanted to, and the gratitude of the staff was amazing. They told us it was rare for families to agree, which we didn't understand. And other people just uh, reaffirming that things like, there is no greater legacy than saving others' lives. It beats leaving a house or money or a statue. There should be an annual day in Australia, says this text, that marks those anonymous donors. Imagine how that would feel for those bereaved to be reminded of the greatest gift. Listen to Barry, the, the, we have an opt-in system here. As you said, you've tried to make it as easy as possible for people to do so. But tell us what happens when there's an opt-out system, because I know quite a few countries have changed the, the way they do things to try and boost the numbers of people donating. And it seemed to work for a while in Wales. What happened? Look, um, there is uh, the majority of countries have moved to opt out, in particular uh, the United Kingdom, as you've uh, mentioned there. Um, look, consent um, or by consent, I mean families saying yes to donation in the hospital, did increase in Wales when they first did this. I think it's really important to remember, though, um, legislation doesn't just happen on its own, you know, to change to... Uh, opt out. There was a, a significant national campaign. Um, uh, there was a mail out to people's homes. Um, so there was a lot of awareness ra- raised um, in the United Kingdom on uh, organ and tissue donation, which is um, also um, absolutely critical that um, people are having that conversation. At the moment, those um, United Kingdom rates of people saying yes have dropped down again. Um, Of course, they've also had the impacts of COVID, but we're closely monitoring it. But I think what's important in either system, whether it's opt-in or opt-out, the family discussion occurs in the intensive care unit. And if a family objects, um, donation won't proceed. So even in the opt-out system, Um, if the family objects, it doesn't proceed. So that's why we're calling on families to have this discussion because if they know what you want, they'll fulfil your wishes. We do hope so. Listen to Barry, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you very much. Listen to the CEO of the Organ and Tissue Authority, which is responsible for organ and tissue donations in Australia. And as you heard, many ways to register, but two of the simplest, tick a box in your Medicare app easy or head to donatelife.gov.au. Of course, there are other ways to give that can help others, like blood donation, for example. Peter Crack lives in Launceston and he makes that regular commitment like many other blood donors. Peter, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, you started donating in your late teens and then you stopped for a good few years and then you came back to it in your 50s. What was behind that? Oh, well, it was my working situation, that I changed. But I came back in my 60s because I could make regular donations and I'd go past the, the blood donor centre and it just worked out well for me. And I was giving blood quite regularly for, for quite a while there. So it was a bit hard to fit around your work schedule at different times? Yeah. Yes, that's right. And, and some, of course, they're pretty strict. I mean, if you work in a meatworks, they won't touch you. And if you go overseas, so some countries you visit, you can't donate blood for 12 months after that. So all those sort of things piled up and, well, I couldn't donate for quite a while, you know. So what did it feel like to come back? It was great. 
I mean, I was, I was working in a position where I could, every three months, make a commitment, go in there, donate blood, and it was, was good. I mean, my wife and I both did it, and it was just about, it was just good, yeah. Does it take I, very long or, or No, much? no. It, uh, well, it doesn't take very long, and it only hurts if you go in with a worried mind. If you go in relaxed, it doesn't hurt at all. And the people there are always so nice and pleasant. That's really interesting. So if you go in thinking, I'm doing a great thing and I'm happy about this, it feels better. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, I'm a happy sort of person anyway, so it very seldom hurt. So, yeah, that's right. Well, and it's how all does, mindset. Yeah. How does it make you feel afterwards, Peter, knowing that you've, you've sent that blood off to do some good in the world? Oh, well, you, well I mean, you get a little bit of a, a bit of a high because you're a bit lightheaded, but uh, the, the, to help other people and... Um, you know, blood products you, that you give, it's just, it's just good. It just, you, you feel, you know, you give blood, but you get a good feeling back. And believe me, it's, it's, it's quite cheap feeling and you get a cup of tea. Oh, yeah, and a biscuit <laughs> if you're lucky. <laughs> if you're like, oh, yeah, that's how it works out. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Now, Peter, you yourself had to stop donating for a while when you started getting treatment for kidney cancer. What was involved in, in, excuse me, in coming back? Was it just a matter of getting the all clear from your doctors? Well, basically it was, I had a kidney removed because of a cancerous growth on it, um, and I was told it'll take five years before you get blood again. So I was quite concerned. I thought, oh, I'm missing out on that. Anyway, um, after about five and a bit years, I, I went along to the, to the blood donation centre, and they said, yeah, you could, you could probably give blood, but we need a doctor's clearance. So I went back and saw my doctor and all that sort of stuff, and uh, that, that was all sorted out quite quickly. But it was nearly six years before I started giving blood. And I've been giving blood uh, a couple of times since then. You know, I'm, I'm getting up to nearly the cutoff age, but uh, yeah, and I'm glad I've done it. I'm glad I've gone back to it. It's part of my healing process. So, I, I, it was a great process for me. I gave blood, and I got the high back, and I got, and I started to feel better. So I, I've had a win-win-win out of this. Yes, I think I'm did. way in front. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we've been discussing organ donations today too on the program, Peter. Is that something that you've talked about with your family as well? Oh, crikey, yeah. We, we, we're great believers in it. I mean, uh, in fact, uh, yeah, well, my, my, both my wife and I are organ donors. My, our, eldest, our youngest daughter's an organ donor um, and my sister's an organ donor. In fact, we only got onto organ donation, donation because of my sister. She was having a, a kidney problem years ago and I said, oh, I'll donate you one of mine. Anyway, after I had my kidney removed, she said, that's a bad one. That's the one you'd have probably given me. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like fun conversations in your family, that, Peter. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a practical thing to do. You you sit down, you say, do you want to give do, do, donations or something like that? And we, we agreed about it. We talked the pros and cons, and we couldn't see any objection why we shouldn't make life better for someone else after we pass. It's as simple as that. Peter, it's great to chat with you on Life Matters today. Thanks for your time. No worries. Thank you. Bye. All the best. Peter Cracks, a regular blood donor based in Launceston. And you heard earlier too from Lucinda Barry, the CEO of the Organ and Tissue Authority, and Rob Clements, who's a retired senior police constable based in Melbourne. And he and his daughters uh, were faced with that decision of what to do when they heard that their wife and mother, who uh, had had a catastrophic accident, was uh, a potentially really good uh, organ donor uh, option. And they chose to go ahead with that and helped a lot of people along the way. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.